<clears throat> okay, uh, for just for our audience listening, I'm in the studio with my lovely wife, Kamora Cora, Cora Wilson, formerly known as Cora Sanders. Uh, and we're going to do an MMA Unraveled. So you've, you were on uh, the Fight Companion. We did UFC 222 Fight Companion. Um, and you and I have done some uh, other, uh, what we did like one other podcast together in the beginning. Uh, Black Mirror. Yeah, which is a crazy awesome show. But uh, so today we're going to just talk about you and martial arts, right? Uh, so what uh, other than, you know, so we we got together and you didn't do any really uh, any training or anything before that. And we've been together for a while before you got into training. But uh, what, uh, <clears throat> what, what do you feel like you initially got you wanting to train and wanting to stay training? Well, it's a really um, uninspiring story. Uh, because I was working at the front desk with you. Well, you know, I mean, it's like I wanted to train, kind of. But because I was so unathletic, it, I didn't want to train because that's really embarrassing. Um, so when I was selling memberships, I was like, how can I be telling people you should join Forza and, and do kickboxing? Kickboxing's great. You're going to love it. And then, like, not train kickboxing. So uh, that's when I was like, man, if I'm going to sell these memberships, like, I have to do this. So I remember um, there was only, like, one girl at the time that was really kickboxing. It was... Uh, Ian McLeod's wife, Jennifer. Yeah, I know yeah. What you're talking about. Um, and she was training, and she was even sparring and stuff. And uh, I just, I wasn't brave enough to make myself vulnerable yet because I didn't feel athletic enough. So uh, yeah, I wanted to sell memberships, so I started training martial arts. <laughs> Uh, so why, why did you feel like you were unathletic? Because, um, pretty much everybody now thinks you're a total savage. And, um, I was just talking on the very end of the last podcast. I was telling the audience to watch your, uh, your last MMA fight. And, um, but I mean, do you think that's like coming up in traditional team sports and getting, not getting playing time? Like, cause I know that, you know, you, you and I obviously, uh, have talked in the past about those types of things, but uh, what do you, what, why do you feel like you felt that way about yourself? Well, because I was a fat kid growing up, and then uh, I had a complex when I got to where, when I was in junior high and high school, where uh, I really wasn't the fat kid anymore. I still thought I was the fat kid. Like, I tell people a story about how, like, uh, if you've ever been to Long Pool, there's those three rocks, and there's one of them I don't get on at all. But you have to cross, you have to jump or just like hop over to get to the other rock if you want, want yeah, to jump no, off. Yeah, I was totally scared of that. Yeah, well, uh, so in my mind, I was like, there's no way I can get to that other rock because the crack was only like a foot. Like, that's how big that crack but was. it's way far down. It is way far down. Yeah, and it's scary. And like, my biggest fear was I was going to jump and stop over that one foot hole and just like drop. Like, there was no, in my head, I just pictured myself just, like, quite literally jumping in the air. Do you, do you remember when we went to Hollywood and Sharpie couldn't walk out? <laughs> yeah. And then he jumped out of an airplane yeah. like a year later? Yeah, crazy. Wow. But, but 
on an airplane, you are, or with the whole skydiving thing, is you're strapped to someone who has a job, and people do that all the time, whereas you accidentally fall down a huge canyon or whatever, yeah, you know, you don't have, you're not, you don't have any safety. But anyway, so, um, yeah, I thought I was, like, the fat kid that still couldn't move her body. But, yes, I, uh, the only sport I ever played was basketball, and I wasn't good at it. And um, that, a lot of that is my fault because I didn't love basketball, so I didn't practice basketball like someone like Serena Clokey who, you know, was a superstar at basketball because she put in the work um, because she loved basketball. And I just didn't love basketball, so uh, I didn't put in the work. And then in turn, I didn't get any time. Yeah, you know, I was on the B team. And she did put me out there, um, and I was I was always a go-getter. So I sucked at basketball, but I was the one, like, like going for the ball, sliding on her belly, trying to get it, or, you know, I was aggressive. Um, I was a go-getter. But that's the only sport I'd ever played, ever, except for, like, kickball, and I'm not, not a good kicker. I would say you are a good kicker. Well, I've been <laughs> kicked in the leg by you. Well, now I'm a good kicker. But yeah. no one ever taught me how to kick a ball, you know? You can kick a ball, you can kick a leg. That's right. So, fast forward, um, somewhere between then and now, you have acquired um, the following uh, credentials. So you're undefeated in kickboxing. Um, you've won two IKFs. Uh, one of them you only got to fight uh, one time, but still um, very uh, worthy and notable opponent. Uh, <clears throat> you fought three times in one weekend at the other one. You've got your purple belt in jiu-jitsu. You've got a brown belt in judo, your third round, which is it goes 3-2-1 in judo. And you just had your second MMA fight. Um, what um, What do you think about fighting in general? Or what's it, what's it like for you? I think fighting is um, fun. But not fun like... I think you should be very serious about going out into a cage or a ring when you're getting punched in the face or punching someone else in the face. And so I take it very seriously, but I I don't have any hangups with fighting. Like, I think that's why I think it's, I guess I call it fun, but I don't know. I mean, it's fun to train for it. At the same time, it sucks. I just like everything that has to do with it. The grind sucks, but I like the grind. Even the diet, it feels really awesome to know that you're in really awesome shape and to be the person that's not huffing and puffing. And um, when you've been in more rounds and someone else, your partner's dying and they were the fresh person in, you know, and you're not. So I, I like that. I feel like a specimen when I'm training. Um, I wish I did feel more before I fought. I still don't know why or what the deal is with that, and if I should feel something. Um, before my first fight ever, I was ex I was nervous in a good way. Like, not nervous and like, oh, my God, like, what's going to happen? I hope I'm going to do good. It was just kind of like, what's it going to be like? What's it going to feel like when someone hits me? Um, so I kind of was, like, wondering. There was wonder. Um, but I never felt nervous. And even before my second fight that happened that day, um, I didn't feel nervous. 
and I knew what it felt like. So I, de- I wasn't feeling anything. I was more like, okay, what's going to happen? Like, am I going to do it or am I not going to do it? Um, and I've never, I felt weird before fights before, but not nervous. Like I felt like out of place before a fight. For example, um, when I fought in St. Louis, my, uh, fourth fight possibly, or maybe my, yeah, it was your fourth fight. It could, yeah. could have been my fifth. Um, there, you had to go out early and coach had to go out early cause they changed the numbers. So normally I'm getting warmed up and my coaches are, I'm hitting mitts with them and they're talking to me and you know, I'm getting mentally right before the fight. And instead I'm alone in a hotel room with a guy sitting on a couch crying because he just lost his fight. And he's like, I'm like, uh, okay, I guess I'll keep shadow boxing. And then I remember like walking out to get in the ring and like, I just see a pepperoni on the floor <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> Lumiere Casino, yeah. St. Louis, baby. Yeah. So I just like look down and see this pepperoni. And then I, I remember watching and I think I saw, I can't remember, I think it was freedom before me. Or was it Cortez? Uh, they both fought that night. Yeah, uh, I can't Freedom remember. Freedom knocked his guy out super bad. And he was a hometown boy, and they didn't want to stop the fight. And they let him take yeah, tons that was, of abuse. I, maybe, I guess that was the one, because I, I think Cortez got it. moved to first. So I did watch it. Yeah. That was the fight. So I got, I got to see Freedom win. And then it was like, you guys literally went from the cage back to me. And then I was in the ring. And it was just kind of like all weird. But I never felt nervous. It was just kind of like, okay. It was kind of weird, because they walked us from the hotel over that skywalk. and The skywalk is yeah. where I saw the pepperoni. Yeah. Yeah. That's like right next to the arch. I would like to go back to St. Louis. I feel like that was a really miserable trip for me because I went up there and I was cutting weight and I was very uncomfortable when I was sitting in Dring's truck. I was in between these two fighters and I was on like the seat in the back seat of his truck and like it was kind of raised a little bit. So I had had to like keep my balance on it because I was tired and kind of weak and I didn't want to flop over on Cortez. I didn't want to flop on Freedom. It was like, you know. And uh, everyone was asleep, so I just listened to Dring talk on the phone for five, six hours. Legit times. That's the grind of what you speak. Yeah. The road. The road. And then when we got there, I feel like it was snowing. It was oh, snowing yeah, it during snowed, that like, time. like all the way up there, I think. Yeah. Uh, both, both times. Because remember, we went to St. Louis uh, one time, and you didn't go, but I think um, Sharpie and... Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, yeah, that night you guys had trouble getting Cortez, home when you did get yeah, back to Sh- Sharpie Rock. and Cortez and maybe Freedom all, uh, fought again. Uh, but I think my, I know maybe Cortez, Sharpie for sure, Cortez for sure did because you wrapped him in stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I gotta, I'm going to be teaching Josh how to wrap hands this weekend. I uh, mentioned this on the last podcast. So this will be the first uh, fight card that we're going to have, like, um, someone. So if you look at our three people we have this weekend – that you're competing tim just does boxing he's boxing judah just pretty much does kickboxing he's dabbled a little bit in mma but he doesn't come to any jiu-jitsu classes he's kickboxing and damon's fighting mma so all, yeah all, all three. on the same card that's pretty cool so um <clears throat> 360 but, fights yeah yeah uh i'm sure there'll be some sort of uh streaming capability for you to take advantage of that's going on uh this this saturday so um so you just fought. That's kind of um, I wanted to, to talk to you about that. What? Um, okay, so it's your second MMA fight. Your your first MMA fight was on Legacy. It was an incredible opportunity, and due to your experience, you fought um, you fought an opponent that had um, had had some fights. 
It had maybe just a few more fights than you even. And um, <clears throat> she just kind of grind like Randy couture you, but without all the cool head control you were doing in your fight the other night. But she just like stuffed a double and wouldn't try and take you down. Uh, held you on the fence, wasn't really hitting you, didn't want to engage. And um, it was like the first amateur fight on a mostly pro card. And it was a great experience, but um, it was a decision for the other girl. And then you came back and dominated the other night uh, against this uh, Melody McGill girl who is um, obviously um, – like was less experienced or whatever, but still posed an interesting sort of um, uh, puzzle, right? Because it's like she was a jiu-jitsu blue belt, didn't know a ton about her uh, other than she's real strong. She's doing like American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> so, um, but, it's, uh, it's, you know, uh, we didn't know a lot about her until she, uh, uh, but like we watched all of her grappling matches, but. I didn't watch one grappling match. Uh, Josh and I, um, and Josh, one of our coaches from the gym, he's been on uh, the MMA Unraveled show with me um, several times. But um, we watched all of her grappling matches, and, you know, we didn't know really anything about her striking background, uh, which maybe doesn't even exist. Uh, That's like, still a question. <laughs> yeah, we still don't. Is she really a Southpaw? Uh, or did she just decide to be one that day, you know? Uh, yeah, well, she. I, I felt like she stayed Southpaw no, at she distance did, every but, time. But at, if you're not a striker, know, but are you choosing to stand in a jiu-jitsu base? Even Nathan Kirby commented on that. Like In like the second or third round, the commentator uh, was like, Oh, she's Southpaw now. And I was like, oh, I thought she was Southpaw the whole yeah, fight. Yeah, she I, was. I, That's what I thought. I didn't uh, notice her. He um, probably just didn't notice it in the get-go. Yeah. Because I hit her, and then that was it. And she shot. So, But, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I feel like I was the more experienced fighter. But, uh, and in my first fight, the other girl had more MMA experience. And... It, you know, coach said, Master Dring, he was like, if there was one to lose, it would, it needs to be that one. And because, you know, I am an amateur and I feel like I am a good striker. I feel like I am good at jujitsu and I lost something that I hadn't put as much. I lost at the kind of wrestling cage work. And because I lost in that area only, it made us only work on it. I remember I fought on Friday and we were back at the gym the next week, early morning practice, working the cage wall work. So it's like, you know, it was a, it sucks to lose. That was the first fight I'd ever lost. And it was super disappointing because it was the first fight that my family ever came to watch me fight at. So it's like, it, I feel like the loss overshadowed the wins for person like me, not saying that it does, but the way I felt was this one loss overshadowed all of my wins. And um, so, you know, I did, I did fix that. I fixed it. It's like I got to see what I wasn't good at yet. And then I was able to do something about it. And um, I think that that showed in my uh, this fight. I, I was super happy that I got to demonstrate what I had previously failed at before. So, yeah. Uh, so, uh, what, uh, 
So it's kind of funny to me because I mean I'm obviously biased because um, you you, uh, you not, love me I love you but <laughs> but also um, you're and you're my coach you're, yes I see I'm like have been um, pretty responsible for your um, upbringing in a lot of ways along with uh, Danny Dring and Kayla Plank and and uh, other people Willie McLaughlin who's a coach of Bryce Mitchell uh, who's just an Ultimate Fighter he's coming on the show. And, um, so like, I'm, I'm obviously a little biased, but there was a lot of people who like, um, for some odd reason, uh, were maybe picking you to lose and, um, just that. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what? Yeah. I mean, well, so that was the thing is like, oh, this girl, yeah. blah, 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 blah. She's so da, 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 da. Yeah. And, um, for whatever reason, uh, I didn't see a lot of that chatter. Even I felt like the promoters, we're not uh, pumping you up uh, for is like because it's like, oh, this girl, she's a blue belt. Da, 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 she got it in this many months. It's like when I hear somebody that got a blue belt in like 10 months or some shit, I'm like, bullshit. Like, I don't I like I mean, she ain't that good. And like so this is how good she is. As soon as you remarked on this last night, as soon as she got a takedown on you second round, you put that ass in an alma plata. And I made a joke yesterday. We were doing omoplatas, and I was like, I don't know if this would work in MMA because you hear people joke, or, uh, you know, I don't know, they work on the street or whatever. But um, I kind of felt like um, I, I, she was the underdog, unpredictable, just because, like, what you're, why are you taking this fight? You're a jujitsu person. Cora's had kickboxing and has all well, this and experience, I and just... you outrank her and out and about compete. Like you've competed, you were throwing the I, number one ranked yeah. blue belt in the world. It pans uh, three three years ago with that belt, you know, or something. So, go, but go ahead. What were you going to say? That's a, I was a little, um, like in my mind, I was like, there's no way I'm going to lose this fight. Like, and that was in my mind. And, you know, like freaking Colby, our friend Colby, he's such an antagonist. He is an antagonizer. Yeah. He has been since we were playing peewee soccer together. Yeah. So he's like my antagonist. I'm the protagonist. He's the antagonist. And he's like, Cord, don't be all underestimating this chick. And I'm like, Colby, you can believe in yourself without underestimating someone. It's like, sure, I'm good. I'm sure this girl is good at jujitsu. She has won a lot of a lot of medals, and that's great. At white belt, the, you can go to a white belt tournament and go against someone who has no clue what they're doing. No clue what their game is. Well, and this girl was undoubtedly strong, super core strong, real lean, an athlete. She was an athlete. She's definitely an athlete. And and no doubt, this girl is good at jujitsu. But I'm better. I'm better because I, I put the time in. I I'm better because it's like she's scratching, you know, the surface. It's like she has a lot of momentum right now. And I remember when I was the white belt winning golds at the tournaments and when I was the blue belt winning double golds at Tulsa. I, I remember that. You know, it's like I, I just won double gold at the one of the Tulsa tournaments before the last one we did. It's like I'm there too, but I've been here for longer and I've done more tournaments than you. And like... And you're going into your prime. And Exactly. Well, and that's what I feel like. They were thinking that she's in her prime right now. But she's in her prime as a new blue belt. Like, she's actually, she, she's like, as in, like, four-tip white belt prime. But now that she's hit this new area, I mean, she went to Pans and, you know, she lost. And it's because she's going against people with more experience who are doing the same things that she is. You know, she learns good jiu-jitsu, no doubt. I learned good jiu-jitsu, too, for longer. So it's like, um, 
I was so at first I was really really confident like yeah this is in the bag I just have to be careful and smart I, you know when I do fight and then I was like is there something I don't know why are they why are they taking this it didn't fight make any sense. it didn't make sense because if you think about it this is my seventh fight this is her first fight ever well, and you've Am done I gonna a ton turn, of jiu-jitsu tournaments, too. Uh, oh, yeah. No doubt I've done more jiu-jitsu tournaments than her. And so it's like... And you own a gym. And, and I own a gym. What's my job? To train and to teach and to do taxes and stuff and to clean the toilets and change the trash. Go to the Hughes Center. Go to the Hughes Center. But so that's where I started thinking, well, you know, like they kind of... When my last fight fell through and they stepped up for it, you know, they, they were like, okay, yeah, Melody, she'll fight. And then when, when this go-around came, when they were asking out matchups, you know, it's like they asked me if I wanted the fight. And it's like, well, yeah, of course. I'm not going to turn down a fight because I think that I'm better than the person. That's kind of the point of getting to fight is because you well, might be the... Especially in this region, which is um, the... Um, uh, what is it? Sa um, mid South, mm -hmm. uh, Mid South region. It's uh, not like there's tons of. Yeah, one twenty-five females. I mean, there there are some in surrounding states, Tennessee. I'm and, sure. And and also, it is unfair if you stick me up against a girl who doesn't even have a blue belt in jujitsu, who, you know, maybe that's first their first fight. fight. That's not fair. I mean, it's fun. It would be great for me. Like, yum. But. Um, you know, Melody, because she was a blue belt, it put her into the bracket where she could fight me and it not be bad or weird or even kind of, I mean, kind of unsafe because I am a striker too. But it, it made the playing field a little bit more even and it allowed me to get more experience too. So it's not like I was going to turn down the fight because I, you know, was like, what? I'm like overqualified for this position. But um, that that's kind of made me a little like, huh, why are her coaches doing this? Like, is there something I don't know? Is she, is she, did she do boxing at another gym? Did she kickbox at another gym and then move? Yeah, yeah, I wondered. Um, but it didn't look like she did. It didn't. It, it didn't look like, um, I mean, we watched her warm up uh, a little bit. And it didn't look like she had any striking training. And it didn't look like the people warming her up knew how to hold mitts and things like that. Well, I, mean, I guarantee you she never had a true, and I mean, I'm just guessing. But I guarantee you that she did not get to spar other fighters, MMA spar other fighters. And you actually, uh, so here's a cool, uh, cool thing. So Andrea Lee, KGB Lee, who is debuting um, on UFC Chile, it'd be awesome to have her um, on the podcast. Uh, maybe, maybe we can get them to come into a seminar. I know Donnie would be down to maybe do a kickboxing seminar. Or he something. would. That would be cool. Yeah. Um, but so Andrea Lee, check her out. She's fought in Invicta, fought in Legacy, won IKFs. She kind of, um, you, you I'm not saying like we're uh, copying uh, her anyway, but she kind of followed the same sort of blueprint. Is like you, you kind of, while you're crafting your jujitsu, ran through the amateur kickboxing circuit, got a lot of stand up experience, and then with your grappling and striking in place, started to do MMA. And she did something similar. She's even had boxing experience as a super legit jiu-jitsu purple belt. She's um, a brown belt now. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, good for her. Uh, she uh, submitted that girl that's a Pans champ that you submitted the week after Pans mm -hmm. in that um, uh, Pete Wilhelm's gym. And um, so, you know, 
you've uh, like there's a more you've been there uh, done that as well and uh but yeah getting to train with her was definitely a good when you got to warm up with her too yeah no that's what uh what that, a confidence builder it, it was and that's what i even said i made like an instagram post and i said I, I don't know if it was a comment or what but i just said or maybe it was a facebook post i don't remember but i said it was it really boosted my confidence to be in the back warming up with a flyweight UFC she'll fight contender. for a belt someday I mean yeah I, she I, will. she's got a bright future ahead so that's a and to know that that's what I'm getting warmed up with while my opponent doesn't have that they were warming up with lead leg sidekicks I mean I know we recently did some lead leg sidekicks and you went through a super foot Bill Wallace seminar which man that was such a good seminar right that was a good seminar. I really I was just told during I talked to during yesterday when the episode with your car happened and I came back to the house for a minute <laughs> Um, so you, you guys are literally, Cora was gracious enough to do a podcast, uh, cause I had to cut off the last podcast early to go cause we were having some car issues at this present time, which we had put it in the shop and, and got to go back to the shop. So, um, she was nice enough to do a podcast, um, uh, and, uh, take some time to sit down and talk about her fight. So, um, but yeah, that uh, I I really um, I don't think that uh, and I, I man I like that lead leg sidekick when like it's southpaw and orthodox. Okay, you like it when it's there. Yeah, you like it when you can get it. Yeah, well, you and know? too like so how much how much are you going to be? I mean, I guess you know you see a, like a little bit of that lead leg front kick, lead leg sidekick from that same situation with the old school Gracie stuff, right? And that's part of their self defense stuff, and you see them doing almost that tie. To yeah. close the distance, and um, I get that, but I maybe that was the influence they were going with. Maybe they were really strategizing. But I mean, I saw them like you know, just little things I see like having trained like really good strikers, in my opinion, and trained with really good coaches. Like when you see someone overweave, mm -hmm. like they they weave way too far outside and they go down way too far. Yeah. Like little little things like that, and I mean everybody's got room to improve. I'm not here to uh, to be overly critical, um, but just to commentate on things that I saw. Well, and that's a you know, <clears throat> we kind of assumed and knew that she wasn't a striker, but it's interesting because they're assuming it, like, it was like they they assumed that I was, and I'm a mixed martial artist. I'm not you a striker. An, you own an MMA gym. I'm. I'm not they, an they even said They even said that. Um. Some, uh, I don't know if it, who it was that said it. And uh, afterwards, like that, you were like a kickboxer. That they stood toe to toe with the kickboxer. Yeah. When the reality was, every time you touched that girl, she was just hugging. And, and I mean, that's what it's like. Why call me a kickboxer? Why don't call me a two tip purple belter? You know, it's like, you know, I, I, I didn't even get to kickbox really. That was not a kickboxing match. And there was even a time, honestly, in the first where I knew, like, when we got on the cage, it's like, I was excited to get, I, I spent a little bit too much time on the cage than I wanted, but I was excited to get to actually do the things that I'd worked on. I got the reversal, because she did have me on the cage. When she shot in, it, which was a bad shot, it was a, it was a high shot, it basically just kind of closed the distance and got me on the cage. I was able to reverse her and get her back on the cage, and then that was my time to work my hand, hand placement, head placement, my foot, you know, my hips. So I was excited to get to demonstrate what I'd been working on, and at the same time, when, I, when, it was, when I was trying to disconnect, she was trying to connect 
there was one time she kind of broke and pushed off, and then it immediately kind of went I do, back. I do have some real, after watching this fight, I have some real specific um, clinch strategies for you. Uh, to um, like, So, like, we were doing so good with that head placement and, like, even a wrist control. And you, have you, you remember that series we've done it a few times? I learned it from Mike back in the day. I don't know where he learned it, but it's like – you're on the outside and you go to underhook, but they beat you to it. So you whizzer and then go for the single and stuff off of that. And it mm -hmm. kind of traps their arm between you and the single um, and like nullifies their underhook. So that's a great situation to disconnect from. It's hard to disconnect with an underhook. That's the thing is like, I oh, because it's like, okay, the goal is to get your underhooks, not let the person get their underhooks. Well, when I had my underhook, at least one underhook, it was just like we were connected because if I broke away, that would allow her to get double unders because we typically have an overhook and an underhook. Mm -hmm. So if yeah. I choose, because she's got, if she's got my arm, um, it's like if I choose to break, she's going to shoot that in. And I just didn't want to get body locked. Um, so there was some hesitancy on breaking, but on the, on the times I did break, it was like, you're stuck. You know, it was just like you were connected to this person. And that's things well, in training you, that's, that that's, I talked it's, about, it's, too. It's a blessing and, and the, that happens uh, because you got to get even more experience in that faith. And it's like you are an interesting puzzle for people to try and solve. And that's why that's two people in a row that have tried to fight you. And this person, uh, who do you think was... Um, who do you think was stronger, this opponent or your last My opponent? last opponent. Yeah. So. She was stronger. She was bigger. Um, and the difference is, is my last opponent knew how to do technique to make herself feel heavier. And this opponent did not. So I could feel the difference in their pressure and their weight when I was on the cage. Like, my last opponent, like, it was so hard to get her off of me. And there was a couple times we turned, but because I didn't have good uh, details, on, or not well, details, it, but drilling on keeping someone on the cage, um, we immediately spun out, and then I was back on the cage. This girl that I just fought, I almost turned her at will. You know, it was like there were things. She couldn't hold you on the cage. She couldn't, she couldn't keep me on the cage. And I remember being that person. And I'm not that person because of well, that one girl, experience. You know, things are like what's frustrating is like, um, I know you remarked about this. And same, same uh, concept to me is like when you start from under side mount and the person's holding you down inside yeah. mount. And like starting in the like, bad cause, spot. Because that like what screwed us on that first fight for your first MMA fight is that that girl really wasn't trying for takedowns. No, not Or at all. not even really striking a whole lot. So you didn't have a lot of opportunity to off balance to or to pummel. And that was, that was the most frustrating part is that uh, due to um, it, amateur fight and it being, you know, early on the card is the same thing with this situation. Uh, and I was even queuing because that girl got – you dominated the first two rounds. Uh, and then that girl got a takedown maybe, what, 30 seconds into the third round and really didn't do anything with no, it. No, sat, I sat with my butt on the floor and her head buried into my hip as she tried to progress to mount. And you were striking. I w well, eventually – and, you know, that's the thing is, like, I didn't – first I was controlling the head. I was pushing the head away from me. Both hands were and on that's her what head. We're coaching you to do. Yeah, because I'm like, you know, she's not creeping and crawling up and sliding her way. 
And then finally I was like, dang, like this is boring. Like I'm tired of sitting here and my knees were pinched because that's what she's focusing on. And I couldn't cage walk. I couldn't wall walk. It was like my legs are pinned and we're just sitting there. So eventually I was like, you know what? Forget this. Like I am not winning this round because like nothing's happening. So then that's when I just started beating the body, which I knew doesn't really hurt that bad in the position I was in, but it's, it's points, it's striking and it does make people nervous. It started making her work. It started making her work. Exactly. It created the space I needed to just stand up, stand up and base. Yeah. And a crowd, crowd was cheering. The crowd I feel like was definitely, uh, my friend. Yeah. And which I had a lot of, I had a lot of people there for me, but at the same time, Afterwards, I had a lot of people coming up to me and showing me a lot of love. And, um, you know, even going in there, like, if you look at my record, like, I was a zero-in-one fighter. Unless they knew my maiden name, they're not going to find my kickboxing record, you know? So it's like, I looked like a loser (laughs) going in. Um, So that may be why um, her coaches wanted to take that fight is because I'd already lost. And I didn't lose the strike. You know, I lost to someone who was... Um, kind of played like a wrestler's game. So they maybe thought that they would play a wrestler's game and get me down. But their wrestler's game plan didn't work. Hey, uh, it didn't. And it didn't work because you you trained to overcome that. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's like if I wouldn't have lost that first fight, I would have never worked on that part of my game so intensely and extensively. Like I remember working with the boys one Saturday. We were doing wall work. Like, we just started those Saturday MMA practices, and so it's the first time Josh has really got to honestly see me do anything, really, you know? Um, I mean, he's seen me, like, drill kickboxing and stuff, and so when we were doing the wall stuff, you know, and my the guys were like, man, you are annoying. Like, your head, head placement was, like, pinning me. And It's, a, like, it's you, an art. Yeah, and then when I was doing my strikes off the cage, Josh was like, that was really difficult to deal with. Like, you were doing, I, I didn't know what you were going to do and where you were going to do it. And it felt good for that to have been my weak area to now be somewhere that, oh, we're going to the cage? Cool. Let's go. You you do ha- uh, have really good uh, sort of um, – I said this yesterday to that group. It, the creative combos when someone's against the fence, whether they com- have come out in your fights yet or not, they will. Yeah. You know, I mean, you've – that's that's the thing about amateur fighting and, and what you're doing and what you've done is like uh, you while there's not a whole lot of unknown left, there's still like, you know, you hadn't really been able to yet in this particular time get someone in like a nasty tie clinch yeah. and just knee their soul out the back of their body. Like I've got to do that in two fights. And, and but it's because that's my coming. two opponents were really like I feel like my last my last opponent as in my first MMA fight Knew I was a kickboxer. Knew I won IKF twice. Knew I was a purple belt in jiu-jitsu. Knew I was good at jiu-jitsu. And didn't want to do either of those, so she kept it on the cage. And um, she had won IKF too. But that's people's, uh, their own head, you know? Like, she was still probably like, "Mm, she's a kickboxer. Mm, She's a grappler. I'm going to hold her against the cage. I get that. She had good strategy. She won the fight. And, um... I am excited to finally get to actually, like, strike someone in the cage. I'm really excited to get to fight someone who wants to engage with me in that way. 
Um, although I don't, I mean, I hope I find someone like that. There's just some tough people out there. Like Jessica Sotak, she's tough. She don't care. She don't care if you won IKF or whatever. She's going to be willing to exchange with you in the kickboxing area um, because she doesn't care. And I kind of can't wait to find that opponent that doesn't care and thinks that they're tough and thinks that they're tougher than me because I feel like I'm really tough. And it would be very, I would be very happy for someone to walk in at me. That would give me a great opportunity to actually get to work. Yeah, there is going to come a day um, if you keep competing, which um, I think that you are planning on doing that. Uh, that you're you're going to like explore all these situations. You're going to come and there, there's going to show up somebody that wants to stand and bang. Yeah, and that's the thing is like both of my fights, I walked away without even ever looking like I was in a fight. Like that's crazy. Like people are like MMA is so dangerous. Like no rules. You know, like people who don't know anything about MMA, um, they think that it's so bloody. And I quite literally look like I could have done a photo shoot the next day, you know, other than some weird bruises. But that's a, it, both of my last two fights just haven't been super violent, you know. I kind of want to get violent. Yeah, I would love to see it. Me too. I have seen it. Um, okay, so look, I know you're on a little bit of a time constraint um, uh, for today. Uh, there's got, you got some stuff uh, that you're doing at the gym. We have testings and stuff going on. Uh, but uh, so would you say that... Um, well, to say, I will just ask you this: like, uh, you you have been fortunate enough to get to do some awesome um, training over the years. Go to seminars, trains with trains with Mackenzie Dern and um, Hicks and Gracie, and be, be you were at the seminar that uh, Hickson got promoted to uh, red belt at. And um, would you say? I mean, do you you do function a lot differently when it comes to the way? It's like, I, you know, like I've remarked on this before, like I went to the Hickson seminar and it like changed my whole life. Like, I'm just like, like, like Dean Plank told me that he's like, you're enlightened now. And he's like, I can tell. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't joking because I did. I really gained from it. But I mean, do you feel like you draw from those experiences in the same way or you don't? Or you're just like, because you do have um, an unusual air of confidence when it comes to perform, like I think it's uh, we've always just said it's because you're a performer, you've acted in plays, and um, you can just rise to that occasion in front of people. Where I see people making Facebook statuses and stuff, where they're just like their biggest fear is being on the stage and and fail and failing in front of people. But you don't you don't experience that. You like fear of the unknown is almost not a factor for you. I mean, you want to win though, so it's like usually people are like. When they don't uh, fear the, you know, when they're not nervous for their fight, it's like they don't want it bad enough. But I know that you want it. I know you want to win. I know you're there to win. and But you don't have that weird kind of psychological side, right? So, like, can people say, well, like, oh, it's good. You don't, you know, I'll be worried about you if you weren't nervous or whatever. But, like, you just being a performer, it's it's unique. Yeah, that, uh, I, you know, I don't feel like, when I, when I, after the Hicks and Gracie seminar, did I feel like a different grappler? No, I didn't. Um, after training with Mackenzie Dern, did I feel like a different grappler? No. Um, but those experiences did build my confidence. Being able in my head to say, Cora, you got to do two Hicks and seminars. You got to train with Mackenzie. You got to train with Andrea. You got to roll with these other professional fighters. Like, 
this, you are doing the things that you're supposed to be doing to get the results that you want to get. And I just believe in that. You know, it's like, I, I believe that I am doing the right things. It's because you've always told me that I was. And I think it's because you've always told me that I'm doing the right things. And Dreen has nothing but good things to say to me. I have the confidence because I believe what's being told to me. When I have someone in my ear, um, for example, like when my brother lost that person. Sorry. And then my brother went to my grandpa's house and then got my grandpa and my mom all worked up saying that this girl was like, like an underground fighter and like she's like super legit and like so my mom tells me this and it's like when you say it it becomes real almost so when my mom like said this about how like they were getting worried now about the fight I it kind of for the first time ever clicked like oh maybe I could lose this fight is there something I don't know you know, but then I was like, forget about it. Well, no, we, we never underestimated this girl. We gave yeah. her a due. It's an unpredictable. Like, so I was talking to Josh about this earlier. Like one thing as a coach, especially coaching a lot of amateurs that I am learning more and more about. And it's more related to psychology than anything is how to deal with unpredictability. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, it's like unpredictability is okay with me. Why? Because I do it all because I do jiu-jitsu and wrestling and judo and boxing and kickboxing and, and muay thai like the clinch and the the cage unpredictability is fine now because i know what to do in those situations it's do you know what to do when that time comes and i think that that's what makes fighters good fighters is because they have the right answer at the right time you can have the right answer but if you don't do it at the right time it doesn't mean anything and if you do the wrong answer and i see a lot of fighters do really bad things like oh man are you kidding me like why would you ever do that so just having the wrong answer and reverting to bad things that you know that you shouldn't do but you do it because you're desperate you know um so yeah you know um my confidence and it's interesting because even back in the day you know my best friend ever um when I was younger Katie she told me when we got closer as friends she saw that my insecurities and stuff and she was like I just never thought that you ever had any confidence issues you always just seem so confident and I don't know why I'm like that as a person I guess I'm like Conor McGregor um who is a super positive and confident person and I used to not be able to stand that dude but after getting to know like more about him as a person I like love him like I'm like that's awesome yeah, so that you watch that, that you watch that movie, uh, documentary Notorious it was uh, great. Chad was just asking me about that um well and I'll say this uh as we wrap it up um three five years from now you're going to be glad you took the time to do this podcast uh, because um here's the thing what you remarked on yesterday about that documentary is getting to see all that old footage that is true and um to document your come up because mm -hmm. that's what's happened yeah right um and it's just an interesting story you know everybody always comments on how cool that what we're doing is and unusual i mean it is crazy how many people truly i feel like they want to know me because I'm fighting. You know what I mean? Like people in town, like, well, it's like, it's just because they want to be a part of it. You're like, there's no, like, I mean, the individuality is, is, you know, individuality, but 
there's who else is is what all the things that we said you know you own a school you're doing things like train with hicks and gracie mckenzie dern i'm you're, pretty sure like i'm the only you know an mma fighter you're in like this small little area you know well and i mean let's just say that there may not be doing what you're doing competitively there may not be 15 people like you in this country you know that are mm. that are school owners. Okay, yeah, that, that are aspect. that are judo, jujitsu, kickboxing. That have fought, and I mean, you you are making um, a very unique uh, path for yourself, and that's one thing people have remarked about this podcast is um, you have people on that are these weird niche, like um, Brian Chenoweth. He owns a music store. What an interesting part. I mean, say like somebody said that, like, well, that's I can, I'm excited to hear that one because that's like how often do you run into someone that owns a martial arts academy, that owns a music store, that is a professional musician, like mm -hmm. some guy named Rob, or, or whatever. So, I mean, that's why people gravitate towards, I think, us and you is because it, you're unique. You're obviously unique as a person well, without all of that. They're invested in the journey, too. It's like people are nervous when I go fight. P these people are nervous, and I'm not even nervous. But I have people like I'm praying for you. Like I am, I've not been able to even think about anything else about you except you going in and your weight cut and your this and your that. And it's like wow. I have like a hundred people that are thinking about me. Like Cora's gonna fight. She's gonna be on. Like I probably have over three hundred people being like, "Oh, Cora fights today. Cora fights tonight." You know, and thinking about that. And so I think people like to be a part of the rise. And honestly, it's like. Even when, like, I lost, it's like I got had flowers on my desk that next week, you know, from from members and friends of the gym. And it's like people, they like to be a part of it. They like to be on the journey with me, I guess. Yeah. No, it's an incredible story. It's uh, And people get to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. Whether it's, you know, we want them to be a part of it. So come on. We're doing incredible stuff. Uh, well, thank you for um, coming on the podcast, which is conveniently located in the house in which you currently live. So, um, <laughs> But I hear our dog crying. You poor pupper, man. Uh, I was plugged some guest spots on the last episode, Life Unraveled 20 with Chad Kersey. Um, I've got uh, some cool guests coming on next week and the week after, first couple weeks of April. Uh, and then also um, we're going to have a local uh, radio host, uh, Hope Adair. I was just talking to her about coming on. So um, Yeah, I went to high school with Hope. Oh, oh yeah, so she is from Clarksville. Is yep. she dating uh, Cody Butler? Yeah, yeah. Dude, I used to love that guy. Yeah, he, they, they're interested in the podcast too. Like he was excited and she made oh, a comment on my Instagram post and I like forgot what post it was. Well, uh, was it recently? Back. Cause I just messaged her like yesterday. No, no, it wasn't super recent. It was right before you started. They were like, Hey, we're excited. Here's uh, here's why I'm happy too. Um, that she's coming on, uh, and that you're on right now is cause like, I'm trying to balance more female guests. You know, like I hate that most of the guests have been dudes, a wide variety of dudes. Well, it's but because you're a man and you have a bunch of man friends. It's not like you hang out with a bunch of females. Well, all too, the time. yeah. And I was. You could have Evelyn on. Fucking <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that would be fun. Uh, but yeah, so. Um, it would be fun. We should do like a like a dub like talking about IKF stuff. That yeah, would be fun. That would be cool. And the guy that covered your IKF story on YouTube, mm -hmm. uh, that yeah. videos on YouTube, he's going to come on uh, Tuesday. I think it is. Uh -huh. So. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, keep following. Trying to put five podcasts out a week. Look for some um, other content coming out this week. And uh, we'll see y'all.
on the flip side. Bye. Hear y'all on the flip side. All right. Bye.